0: Welcome back guys to another episode of Business from the Bass Boat Bass Boat wow on the Sirius Angler Network. Guys, I'm excited for today's show. Um wanted to give a little update. We are well, Bailey and Andrew are back from the classic did not go. I was fishing the Toyota series on Lake of the Ozarks. Uh, got my teeth kicked in and uh, probably we'll talk a little bit about that with our guest as well. Um, but one thing I wanted to you guys to be aware of, the fantasy fishing shows are still going on. Super excited about Santee Cooper this week. If you missed uh, last Thursday's show, check that out. It is going to be an exciting one. Can't wait for Santee Cooper and uh, your boy is leading that in the, in our little goofy fantasy fishing bets. so excited to uh, continue down that road but without further ado let's bring in our guest uh one quick thing i love these small niche companies i've said that many many times and this is one of those so this is drop zone tackle make a very unique drop shot weight that i think uh is just super unique i mean drop shot you is like okay what else can you do to drop shot weight and i will wait to get into that with him but we've got Dennis from Drop Zone Tackle. Let's see if we can get him on the stream. Dennis, how are you, man? I'm good, Adam. How you doing, man? Dude, I am doing well. I am doing well. It's a Friday when we're recording this. Obviously going to go out on a Monday. Yep. Yeah. Hopefully you're doing better than me. You put off air there when you're talking. You were, you were pre-practicing, man. How'd your, or I guess, practicing. How'd your practice go today?
1: Yeah, it went great. It went great. Um, it was super foggy this morning, and, and the uh, the lake that I'm fishing is kind of a, a a major lake dumps into it, so the water levels fluctuate a lot. But it's been steady the last week, and uh, today it was like 17, 18 pounds, and I bounced around and left a lot of fish biting. I could see a lot of fish on the forward facing sonar, and uh, mm-hmm. it, it was tempting to throw to them. But once you catch one, and it's you know three to five pounds, you kind of got to bounce and and move somewhere else. No doubt, man.
0: Man, that's a uh it's a good day of practice when you, when you sack 17 to 18 and you are uh, moving, right? Like you're not leaning on them. You're just, you're just testing fish, but they're all seeming the right size.
1: Yeah. When you see them coming and you're pulling it away from them, man, it's, it's hard, but you know, it's the right thing to do. Hopefully, hopefully we'll catch a few of those on Sunday.
0: Heck yeah. So Sunday is when your derby is as much weather difference at all, or is it going to be pretty stable?
1: No, no, it's going to be a lot different. And, uh, and we can get into that. I'll tell you what I was doing today, but Tomorrow the reason I didn't practice tomorrow is because it's supposed to be like 20 mile an hour winds gust up to 40 and it's going to drop about 30 degrees. And the cold Ooh. front's coming through the east coast and uh I think Saturday night is supposed to get down to like 18. So blast off oh, be blast off's going to be chilly and the and the fish are are certainly going to be positioned a little different than they were today. Sure.
0: Was it sunny and pretty warm today?
1: Yeah, you know, it started out pretty cold, uh, but the wind, uh, the wind picked up and blew the fog out this morning, uh, which was great. And then when the sun came out, I started catching fish pretty good around 930 or so. And uh, and that continued for a couple hours. That bite started to die, but another one developed after that. So hopefully the similar scenario will be on Sunday, just uh, probably a little slower pace. Awesome.
0: Awesome, man. Um, I guess let's uh, let's. We might as well just get into a little bit. I know we were talking beforehand and and I'm curious, you're saying you're doing some unique stuff out there and, and uh, like yourself, man, I'm, I'm addicted to the forward facing stuff. I look at it uh, probably sometimes too much, but uh, there's plenty of times where I just think it teaches you so much about fish behavior, how they position on bait and that kind of a thing. But uh, being Virginia, you're, I mean, it's like really uh, you're still, pre-spawn right as far as everything goes and you've got a little bit of time yeah. here before fish really start moving
1: yeah it's moving it's pretty early pre-spawn right now the water temperature today was started out like 47 48 and got up to about 52 in, in some of the back back of some of the creeks gotcha so we're still in this early. particular body we're we're still a month and a half two months away before any any fish come up to spawn sh- you know short of a, a major warm front that comes through yeah man i'm in, I'm in the same boat and
0: I'm in, out here in Colorado of all places and it's uh we got some time uh you know before anything like that starts happening
1: yeah so earlier yeah, so i gone. I'll, I'll tell you what I was doing today it's something that we I kind of found last maybe a year or two ago okay. uh, so so what I was doing is we were fishing points with jerk baits, like like almost everyone does. Uh, and mm-hmm. then for, for everyone that watches bass fishing, you can see these guys that like Patrick Walters is a great example. He, he's finding fish on standing timber and things like that. Well, in this particular body of water, we don't have any standing timber. Um, mm-hmm. So so they don't really relate to anything. And I'm sure there's other lakes out there like that. Sure. Uh, so so we fished a point and, and th- sometimes there are fish on the point or, or suspended somewhere on the point. Uh, but this particular day that there was nothing there. So we, instead of starting the big motor to jump over to the next point across the cove, I just trolled because it wasn't that far. So we put it on high. And as I was going across, I noticed mm. a park in about six to eight foot of water, but it was in like 65 foot. There was no bait, wow. was nothing around. I'm like, well, there's a fish. So I threw a jerk bait over there and it was like a two pounder, two and a half pounders, nothing great. But I was like, man, what in the world is he doing out here? So mm. it, to us, it's like, it, it's a one in a million chance that he's out there, but what I found the rest of the spring last year and certainly today and my last trip out was that's just what they do. Uh, in this body of water, I can't speak for everywhere. Sure. So today, to my first fish today was four and a half pounds and it was in, I think I was in 55 to 60 foot and there was nothing around. There was no bait and we're in the middle of the mouth of a creek, uh, right? I mean, right at the mouth where if you were fishing the point, you would have to go a couple hundred yards into the mouth. And then yep. there was one mark at six to eight foot. And if you lie, he was up, alone, he was all by himself. And they're not always like that. So if, if there's more than one, they're, they're ultra competitive and, and you'll get, you're going to get bit. For yeah, sure. I agree. Yeah, For sure. But, but I found today and maybe it was the conditions prefront at uh, this front is coming in, but sure. But what I found today was that if you got a near them, they were going to bite it. And if you could wow. just get them to notice it, they were going to eat it. And I, I never lost a fish because they ate it that good. They weren't swiping at it. They weren't, you know, just kind of slapping at it like they're prone to do, but sure. Um, yeah, I, I went into one one particular creek and I think I caught four keepers around that area and I pulled it away from maybe five or six more. And I'm like, ah, I got to get out of here. It was tempting to just look and see what yeah. was around. But this happened all the way from the mouth of the creek, uh, a third of the way back before I, I kind of ran out of fish. So I would just jump from creek to creek. And, and I believe that was a as the sun came out, it, it just pulled the fish up to where they felt a little warmer. I'm not sure if they were relating to bait. Maybe the bait was higher before I got there and it just wasn't when I when I got there, the bait was in 25 to 30 foot of water, which mm-hmm. I know can change, you know, minutes a minute. But uh, I, I just feel like the as the sun came out, those fish just come up and just sun a little bit. And this is the second year in a row that we found this bite, And hopefully no that's one local so cool. is hopefully no one local is listening because <laughs> we went back to back last year on, on on two tournaments. And that's exactly how we did it. Dude, that's awesome. Well, I, I really appreciate you sharing the
0: juice yep. with us here. Uh, that's what this show's about is getting some of that stuff out. Uh, yep. that is, uh, I really think that that is such a big factor. Like you said, with that sun, I've noticed that same thing on forward facing sonar of, of looking out and seeing those fish just up. And it's like, to me in a lot of our season, and especially so Lake of the Ozarks was dominated. I just fish tournament out there in Missouri. Um. And it was dominated forward-facing sonar and watching them basically. I mean, everyone was throwing a, a rig and watching them eat. And right, right. there was a, there's a lot of crappie in that Lake and mm-hmm. you tell the difference, uh, between the bass and the crappie, not only if they were grouped up, but also that same kind of thing was like, if there was one or two by themselves up higher in the water column Man, I'd pitch over and there he was like, that was a bass and those right. you know, sunny days. And, um, that it's, it's so interesting how they do that. And we're learning so much with that. So you were in the mouths of the creeks, like go, like main Lake point, like you said, you're maybe is how you learned about it. And then you right. went and you were just going across. And That's what's great about it. It's like, man, so many times I find myself now trolling, motoring fast across something rather yep. than a big motor. Cause I have so much more confidence looking at my yep. racing than I do at my side and down scan.
1: Because yeah, I mean, we have so much to learn right was we, we we don't know it all so just the more time that motor motors in the water the, the better it is for us
0: yeah yeah exactly man but so so you're out in the main out in the i mean mouth of the cut mouth of, mouth yep. of this creek going in and you just started hunting and you're just you're just going back and forth on your uh forward facing and you're yep. just looking for that next cast
1: yep and i saw i saw one fish and it was it, you know it, before they did the update you have like a ghost tree on on your forward Mm facing sonar. i think everyone gets that interference every now and then when you hit a fish i can't explain it maybe maybe they're facing directly at you so there's not as much surface area for that sonar to bounce off of but it looks like they disappear but two seconds later they're right back to where they were i I don't know exactly what causes that i'm assuming that they get skinny and they're facing you versus being sideways where, where you have more surface area but anyhow I, I thought I saw him and I kept messing around out there and I just kept getting deeper and deeper in the water. And I'm like, well, I know if there's a fish out here, he's this fish was in six foot. I should be able to catch this guy. And um, yeah, sure enough, I, I threw over there. The first cast I missed because he was swimming right to left and second cast. I got it. And I saw I saw him shot shoot up like, kind of like a rocket and just it, it was over. And I was like, oh, man. OK, so I got to go duplicate this. And I, one of my favorite creeks was was real close. So I went there. And it was it was pretty much lights out at that creek. And then I duplicated it in another area. But as it seemed like as the day went on, the fish got a little deeper and they got right. a little further back into the creek. Now, again, I didn't fish the same creek, so I can't say for sure that that's what the what the deal was. But it was further down, the, further up the lake. It seemed like they were a little bit further back in the creeks. So they weren't just at the mouth.
0: Gotcha. And is this lake, I mean, generally pretty patternable? Like, is it, is it a deal where when you find something on this pond, you're normally going to try and duplicate it and it's going to be happening in most places? No,
1: no, unfortunately not because this lake, so the, the lake that dumps into this is, um, is it's regulated. So they can go up and down maybe six inches of, of water level. Well, because of the, the, the giant size of the main lake, the lake that I fished can fluctuate six to eight foot in a day. And that is not, that is not abnormal yeah wow so it is it, later as the year goes on it is a lot tougher to pattern things it was fairly easy today but the it the the creeks that produced the best today had bait bait at the mouth of the creek if it didn't have bait you may find one or two but they, they were very scattered and you had to spend a long time looking for them
0: man that's the same way lake of the ozarks anyways like i had to be going into a pocket i'd have to see both shad and crappie around and yep. if i had Just crappie around because this lake of the ozark is absurd with the amount of crappie in it. Yeah, I would, uh, with with just the crappie around, um, there would be one or two, three fish around. You could find them if you really were looking, but anytime there's there's actual bait in a creek, they didn't have to be, like you said, they did not have to be set up on it. It's not like they were sitting there next to it, but if there was at least in the vicinity, if I was seeing bait, like that's those are the creeks that had fish in them and better fish.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, uh, it's funny that you say that about the crappie because, uh, we, we have those there too. And, and today I caught one that was just a hair over two pounds, which here in Virginia is a citation. Oh, but, man. Yeah. So that, and there was a bunch of, so, but what gets me is they put off such a hard return on that sonar because they're flat sided. Okay. Yeah. It, when they turn, so, I think it's the yeah. same thing. So yeah. it, it, I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's a good bass and I'll throw over there and it's not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's they fun, hit it
0: hard. Too, they jerk bait good, don't they? Yeah.
1: Yeah, they do. They do. And, um, so the the other key to this is it if those fish are like deeper than eight to 10 foot, the bass, mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot tougher to catch them because you're trying to call them up and, and the water was not clear today. It was slight stain, but you know, nothing terrible. Um, yeah. but I'm trying to, I'm working on how to catch those fish a little deeper. I got a couple to bite today on, on a swim bait, but it's, it's just okay. not, easy. so that, that's not the, that's not the juice. I don't think, but I'll, I'll get that figured out soon enough. Can you throw an A-rig in this derby? Yeah. Yeah. You can, uh, they just weren't responding to it. They would follow it, but they just, they wouldn't commit to it at the single swim bait. They, they, sometimes they would commit uh, the underspin they don't like. So there's something there I'm missing, maybe a different type of swim bait, a little less action or, or something, but I'll I'll dial it in in the next, next week or two. I hope. Yeah, man. Very cool. Yep.
0: Uh, That's a really, really good stuff because I think it's not talked about enough. Um, yeah. publicly on how some guys are catching fish like this because it, it's isn't it crazy to watch the pros do it and you're like man they make it look so easy then you go yeah. out there and it's like dude it takes some time to be able to yeah. see your jerk bait show up and make that yeah. exact cast especially if you're in ultra clear water and it's smallmouth don't get me wrong you can be like 20 feet off dude and that smallmouth yeah. is going to come over and eat that drop shot yeah. but like when it is when it is like not super clear you got to be on their freaking head
1: that that's how it is here, and and you know it amazes me of how good you have to get or or how good you get just just because you have to do it. I know how far a thirty foot cast is. Perfect. I know how far a forty five foot cast is, and I'm not really. I just look and aim, and then I just make the cast, and now it's kind of mindless just to do it because it's so repetitive. No no different than any other sport that people practice, but it's uh it's something that I became pretty proficient at over the last couple of years, and, and it's paid off really because if you see a, a single fish in the summertime cruising. And you may have one shot before the boat gets too close to get your, your drop shot or whatever it is in front of him. And that's when he eats. And if he, he's not expecting it and bam, it's right in front of his face and he hasn't felt the boat pressure yet. You yep. can catch the fish, but as soon as he feels the boat, you're done. And so if you missed your first cast, you, you may, you may miss the chance at a three or four pounder. That was just a bonus fish. Yeah. And, and a lot yep. of times that's a difference that, you know, there's, there's tournaments in the summer at this body of water where 10 to 12 pounds has won. I mean like yep. major events like cat yeah, tournament yeah it's it's yeah. It, it it can be really really tough but some days it can be really good and today today is is an indication of that and hopefully hopefully it'll be that way on sunday i'm, I'm a little concerned about the weather but sure. it, if it holds up you know 17 to 19 maybe 20 pounds is would be a really good bag and I, th- I think that's probably what it'll take to win
0: wow that's awesome yep dude and and i think too some of those lower fish i struggle with that same thing when they get lower in the water column Uh, one thing I did, I was listening to a podcast with Michael Neal after he won at Rayburn Mm -hmm. doing the the same deal. And he's like, man, too many guys don't mess around with waiting their drop or not their drop shot, their jerk bait. Like he's a suspense trip guy. Like he's like, man, I, 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 mess with that stuff. Like when I'm, when I need to go deeper and I like the action of a certain jerk bait, I'm putting a couple suspense trips on and I'm going to, I'm going to figure out a way to get it to that fish. That's at that lower level.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's cool that you say that because, I love striper fishing in the wintertime, and I didn't fish any uh, bass tournaments in January, but I went out to uh, to a lake that's close and clear water, and I love catching a striper. And they were schooled up to where, I mean, there's hundreds in every school, and they're if, if they were 12 foot or higher, it was automatic. You throw a jerk bait, and I mean, all of them would rush it at once, and you were going to get at least one. Sometimes you catch two on a cast.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. A lot
1: of times they pull off because Mega bass jerk bait hooks are are fantastic. They're sharp, but they will bend out pretty easy especially if there's a lot of pressure Scare on. Scare me, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I Scare me it.
0: later in the year. I like them early when the fish are real calm, you know, right. and I'm I'm okay with it and I have my drag set always yeah. and I'm light. but I almost I change my hooks like right about now and a little bit later here because then once those fish start jumping,
1: man, okay, I, yeah. Just, yeah. Well, when when I was seeing those striper, um, it, like I said, if they were twelve foot or higher, I could get that deeper diving jerk bait down to get their attention, and then they come up to it. Um, but there were times where they were fifteen to twenty foot, and it would be hundreds along a point, hundreds of striper, and they're in schools. But they they are not going to come up when they're fifteen plus. They just won't move. The rig wouldn't catch them. They would react wow. to something really erratic, like the jerk bait going around. So what I did uh, was the only thing I had in the boat at the time. I hit spot lock and I, I got out a, a drop shot weight and I put a three sixteen ounce drop shot weight on the front swivel. Okay. So it would nose down. And as it was nosing down, it would just fall at a pretty decent rate. Nothing crazy, but it would still fall. And then when I get it about 10 to 12 foot down, you could see it on live scope. Then I would start jerking it and it would still have that action. But if you wow. killed it, it would fall. But just I would just keep working it, and I would catch some fish doing that. Now I haven't messed with it for bass doing that, cool. but definitely calls yeah, some that's, that. that's
0: a good that's a good idea. Now yeah. that's
1: interesting. Uh, and it point does, point it didn't seem to interfere with the front hook. I mean, I, it's dangling there, but the points are still exposed. So yeah, you still are sticking fish. With it. Yeah, yeah very cool man yeah man well i didn't know this was going to be
0: a forward-facing sonar class but this has been awesome man.
1: yeah oh it's i'm addicted to I, you know it's tough when you when you're fishing with a partner because they don't see what you see they're just casting where you're casting um that's a good point i mean is- in a
0: team tournament how do you approach that are you having both guys look or are you having your other guy just randomly throw a jerk bait especially in like when you're like this when you're chasing fish out in the middle what's your other guy doing
1: you know what? I'll tell him. Uh, sometimes uh, I'll see it, and he just knows that I'm gonna get the cast, and and hopefully I'm accurate with it, and I can get. It. And he doesn't mind. You know, we work together as a team. It's it's all sure. for the, all, all for the same cause. But oh yeah, there are, there are times when the fish is moving, and I'm like, hey, I might have gone a little right, throw left. And then, there there yeah. has been times where, and I remember one time last year where he caught one. It's like four and a half, five pounds um i thought the fish was going one way and i kind of i kind of headed it off and and it was not either it changed directions or i just misread it and um i lost sight of it and then he was working a jerk bait and then i right at the, right before he bit i saw the fish take off and i'm like hey i think he's coming to you and by You're then ready. he was already setting the hook so, yeah, it's, <laughs> he just cast where i cast i mean nothing nothing too close but you know give it give it 10 foot or something to one side or the other and and then just be ready to get the net because really, I mean, if you get a three or four pounder on, let's get them in the boat and then we'll do it again. So, but we're not we're not too caught up on on who catches it. Just oh yeah, really just you know, just trying to get it in the boat.
0: I'm with you. I can be the best net in a team tournament. I'll be the net man all day, dude. I don't I don't care who's catching them. I just, <laughs> yeah. We will catch them. Yeah,
1: I'll go get the truck too. It doesn't bother me.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, man, my last comment, and then we'll get into uh, <laughs> drop zone. But my last okay. comment on, on on forward facing. I struggle a little bit with telling a fish's direction. I mean, obviously, I can tell the fish is coming to me or right, if he's right. going directly away. But when he's going left or right okay. away from you, how are you? How are you deciphering which direction he may be moving to? And how? And by the way, oh. with these fish this weekend, were they? Were they pretty complacent, or were they moving pretty good?
1: They were all moving, but I, I can't say that I saw any that were moving really fast. Okay, so, yeah. Honestly, with the jerk bait and, and I was throwing a little bit brighter color than than you probably would normally throw for that water clarity. This mm-hmm. would be more of a stained water kind of kind of jerk bait. It was it, it's a white one with the chartreuse belly just and there's a little yeah. bit of, tra- you know, translucent sides to it. Um, yeah. it that wasn't necessary for, for the water clarity. But but what it did was um, if I missed the fish by five foot or 10 foot, that that color flash when and it's not because the sun wasn't really bright but the color flash would get that fish's attention just as much as the noise or, or displacing of the water or whatever. Um, yeah. So, so they were moving. Um, but the, the way that I do is you can tell when you're pointing directly at a fish because you get the brightest return. Um, yep, that's when it's, when it's glowing, that's yeah, what I like Yeah. yeah, yeah. So with, with that, not this past update with the color limit, but the one before was the, um, you're gonna have to help me out. Was it rusted steel or something similar to that? Was it, was it a cool. color option?
0: uh you're talking bass colors
1: no 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 Maybe i'm so. sorry the, oh, oh, oh oh
0: oh live scope you're on your scope man yeah. uh like the, the main color the traditional
1: color you're talking yeah about so, so, so two, two two updates ago two updates ago they did a um they did a color update where they added colors mm-hmm. i think it was like rusted steel or and i could be saying it wrong but it's something to that effect um, okay. for this particular color blue is like a soft return but orange is a hard return So when you see a blue mark, you know, you're pointed at the fish, but you're not directly dialed in, you know, point of aim at that that fish. So as you get more solid on it or as it turns sideways, like we talked about, then you'll get more of an orange color for that. And and that's how I would know. Okay, there's the fish for sure. Now, where is it going to go? And as it fades away, I will scan left and right real quick. Just just a little. And if it if it shows up again, Harder on the left, then I know he's going left. If he he's shows going up left. Right, I left, yeah. See. Exactly. So, so if I'm pointed right here and I see the the hard return and then it fades, I'll just sweep real quick. And as I sweep, I'll get that hard return, and that tells me instantly which ways which way is he going. And you're going to try and lead that thing a little just, bit. just barely. You know, it depends on how how far away is it, how deep is it. If I'm throwing the a rig and it's got to drop down a lot or a swim bait or whatever, then you're going to have to lead it a little bit more. And sometimes, you know, you're going to miss it half the time, but. Sure. If it, if it's a jerk bait and that fish is up like we discussed earlier, if he's up and he's barely moving it it doesn't matter you you can miss him by a few feet most of the time doing this for a while you're going to be fairly accurate and uh, I just cast past it, I reel it down and then I start twitching and and rarely do I twitch and leave it unless that fish is if he's coming up, I'm gonna leave it still and right before he gets to it just one more still, little yep more little twitch and that that usually steals the deal. Dude, that's exactly
0: how, uh, man, at Lake of the Ozarks, the same deal. Like, I, he's coming. I'm just going to hold it still. And then, right when he's getting close, I would just barely move that rod. Yeah.
1: I I, I figure if he's coming, you know, I'm doing it right. So let's just keep doing it. And then, right when he gets there, I want to, I want to give him one more twitch just, just to make him commit fully. Dude, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, that was some juice. I'm going to need to check out that color palette. I haven't, I still just use the traditional. I mean, I, I, rarely change colors on my live scope probably to a detriment i probably need to do that more um but uh that's interesting about the return color because that would yeah. help like really know that uh, dial in because the difference is when it's on a normal color palette when i say normal i mean one that doesn't really change colors it just gets brighter right, right? like right. you're it yeah, just yeah, it's yeah. A brighter yeah,
1: this one will sure sure help you out for that if you're fishing those open water fish and you're trying to determine direction the the, the dual color that this offers is, is pretty good awesome man awesome
0: well dennis thanks man i'm gonna i'm gonna label this one like live scope or f- forward facing also drops on tackle because we just yeah. went into a tutorial for those people interested
1: yeah. Yeah, just, just, um, don't, just don't advertise in my area man we got to win some tournaments first i'm with you that's exactly right
0: this is a non uh area code specific this is across the country but All right. All right. uh Sweet man. Well, let's uh let's take a step back real quick and talk about how you kind of got into fishing. Obviously, tournament guy, we're talking about fishing a tournament here, but where did it all start for you in the fishing world? Um, and then we'll get a little bit into drop zone. Uh
1: I I think most like most kids, my, my parents took me fishing a few times when I was younger. Um, and it became something that I just I just loved immediately. And this is, you know, old school bobber and worm and you know, just just wanted to go all the time. I remember we'd go to church on Sunday and if it was raining outside, I'd ask my parents, and they're like, be quiet. And in church, I'm like, are we going fishing or not? When we get out of here, are you going?" <laughs> uh, I remember I, just, I remember, crying at church because it was raining outside and they're like, no, we're not going, it's raining. And so the the desire to fish has always been there. And, um, and yeah, it just, it just progressed. And, uh, you know, when I was, I don't know, maybe like 16 or 17, I bought my first, uh, the plastic crawdad boats. I don't know if you're familiar. Oh yeah,
0: dude. I fished out of crawdad. I, yeah, I had one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I bought one, um, bought a trolling motor and went to some ponds and just, I loved it. I went every day after work, literally every single day, carrying a, a battery in one hand and a trolling motor in the other, and somehow having the tackle in the backpack and going down to where the boat was by the pond. And, and that's how it started. And then, um, I had the chance, a friend of mine's dad took me out, uh, fishing, had a couple really good weekends and um he took his son and i we we grew up together playing basketball and and uh, he took us out and and that was my first time to like a to a big lake in a bass boat and it was so exciting and uh and he was like hey just so you know this boat's for sale and i was like 19 and i'm like i want to buy it so so (laughs) i got my mom to co-sign the loan and uh and i had a job i did engineer engineering work right out of high school like some drafting stuff and um yeah and uh, yeah, so I, I ended up getting the boat and, and I've had one ever since. And that was I would go every weekend and I pretty much haven't haven't stopped. So I feel like I should be a lot further ahead than I am right now since since I've been going that long. But I, the, the excitement of going is, has never failed. So then, I, you know, I fish some club tournaments and um, fish a few bigger tournaments. I really don't fish a lot of big tournaments, mainly because I just don't have the money or the time. I feel like you're going to be competitive with those guys who are really, really good. Like you probably need to go two or three days during the week. And, and I've been in law enforcement for the last 15, 16 years. So I just, I just don't have the time to go and, and it's really expensive. So that's, it's just that. going to hold me to the level I'm at. And, and I'm happy with it. We, we do well. Yeah. And, and I, and the enjoyment is still there. The competitiveness is still there. And it's a lot of guys that fish with us that are great guys. And I enjoy being around them. Dude, a hundred percent,
0: man. I think that's a, a, a really good testimonial to all the bass clubs across the country. And, um, for me, it's all about that competing in tournaments, whether it's a club deal or whatever level it's at, like that's what I want to be doing. And like you said, I have probably more fun, honestly, fishing the club our club team series than I do anything else because it's just the, it's your buddies you're trying to beat and uh, it's good
1: people. And
0: um, it's, it's competitive. So it's fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. The pressure's still there for me, but it's not, overwhelming like you, when you know you're going against guys that you read about all the time and we've done it and, and we've done well we've won a few of those tournaments uh but we've also really struggled in some of those tournaments and just not having the time on the water you know a week or two prior to the event is, is can be kind of costly so so I, there's a mix and I, and we're kind of in the in between level right now and, and we really True. like it and and that's probably what we will stay until maybe the business grows and i can fish have, have time to fish you know some bfls or some bass opens or something and probably get my yeah. team in on those, but you know, I'm, I'm willing to try. I'm willing to give it a shot. Exactly. Dude. I like that. I like that. Well,
0: man. So you mentioned law enforcement, where does drop zone fit in, in all of this and, uh, kind of how did everything start there?
1: Okay. So, uh, so I'm still full time. Uh, I go to work mm-hmm. every day. Um, I do more administrative stuff. Now I, I've, had a police on, i did swat i did some undercover stuff which was great i loved it and the guys yeah. were the best um yeah but but i moved kind of moved on from that and now i just mm-hmm. do administrative things and the schedule is incredible i've spent a lot more time with my wife and kids uh and more time fishing so
0: awesome
1: um as as i was doing that i had a lot of free time in, in comparison to what i used to have uh so then when the idea came to make the product that we make uh we'll get into that in a minute but um it worked the product worked, and it worked really well and it worked so well that my friends used it and they won tournaments with it and then it be kind of became like an idea of like hey let's maybe we should start a business doing this and my wife and i talked about it and there just one thing grew and I, i'll be honest man i met some really really great people uh, just, just like right now is a great example i'm talking to you guys we just met this week and um and and here i am so I, i've been just just met with open arms in every direction, and it's grown, and the momentum is uh is really fantastic and there's some big things have happened already this year, and I'm looking for more
0: heck, yeah man no the fishing industry I say it over and over again is just full of good people and yep. it's uh it's a it's a lot more fun working and building something when you're around people that you'd like and people that are just genuinely good people and I feel like that that is the case in the fishing industry one hundred percent.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So everyone's treated me really good. And, and like I said, we'll, we'll get into all that. But yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's kind of how it all started. And, and now I do this. Uh, my job allows me. Sometimes when I'm sitting in the office with not a lot to do. I can make some phone calls, send some emails, do a little research or whatever. And then when I get home, do what I have to do for the family. And then the other times I'm just doing work, packing orders, you know, processing stuff. So it's yeah. uh, it's, it's taken off and, and we're doing really well. So I'm happy about it. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, let's get into a little bit about
0: the, the star product here. Um, really became, came on my radar, uh, through Andrew again, uh, Andrew full that is the serious angler. And, um, man, I want to dig into how it really came about. Where did you see this going? And, um, you'd mentioned, uh, you know, pre-show kind of all the different patents and all that, all that side of stuff, but how did it all start? Where did you come up with this
1: idea? Well, um, well, first let's talk about what the product is. I don't know if we really said it yet, but it is. Oh. I know there's a reflection nice. here. I, I apologize. So this is the, the rattle shot. It's a rattling drop shot weight. They're cylindrical. They're lead. Uh, we'll talk about the components here in a minute. But how the idea came was uh, we, the same body of water that, that we just discussed. for are practicing. Um, mm-hmm. we, we had won a tournament and we wanted we to throw in a drop shot. Uh, some of those fish were around the ends of laydowns. Some were, you know, just again, using forward face and sonar. So they were just kind of random, but the water. So we won the tournament. And then during the week, I think on that like Monday or Tuesday, it rained, but we had another tournament coming up the next weekend. So I went on maybe Wednesday or Thursday, but the water had gotten dirty. Ford face and sonar was showing me that the bass were still positioned very similar. However, they were just really finicky. High bluebird skies. The water had gotten dirtier if you didn't get the drop shot within inches of these fish, they just were not going to eat it. And even if you did get close, I remember one time I actually bumped the fish with a drop shot and just drug it over his back. And he still (laughs) did not eat the bait. Didn't move, but he didn't eat it. Um, So uh, we tried big flipping baits to displace more water. We tried spinner baits. We tried crank baits and they just, if it was a moving bait, they weren't having it. Um, So I remember my buddy, different guy, not my partners, the buddy was in the boat with me and I'm like, man, we got to, Gotta have some kind of like attraction to this. So we thought about maybe putting a rattle in the worm, the, the robo worm that we were using. Um, but then just j- really just just saying it out loud, what I was thinking, I was like, we need a weight with a rattle in it. And um, he was like, oh, there's your million dollar idea. And he was just just kind of goosing <laughs> on. And honestly, I didn't think anything else about it for a couple months. But we faced those conditions two more times in a very short period, and I'm like, you know what? I'm actually gonna try it. So I started out just doing what I thought. I could do to get a rattle inside, and I tried to drill the lead, but it's too soft and it just tears. And then I tried putting the glass bead with the little steel BBs inside, or the glass tube with the steel BBs inside. I tried putting okay. that in the mold and then forming it around it, and Light that was,
0: around it, yeah. it just
1: it was dumb. It, it would melt the glass. It wouldn't form correctly. It'd be halfway hanging out. The lead wouldn't get in all the way down to the bottom, so you didn't know what size weight you were going to. It, it was just a disaster. Uh, so. Then just because I'm really stubborn and determined, I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. Like I don't know if it's going to work, but I'm going to figure out how to do this. Yeah. So I started playing with different ways to do it, and uh, and then came up with the actual design of how to make it work. And then I realized why it has never existed before. Um. So and just being transparent, there is another company out there that that makes something similar. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. Team Davies or something, and and they make it's like a clear tube inside of their weight. They intentionally make a window for their weight. And it has like a glass uh, tube with small steel BBs in it or one steel BB. And as far as I can tell, those guys are great. I've never actually talked to them. but sure. So I ordered some just to see what it was like. And um, and for me personally, this is just my opinion. I'm not talking bad about those guys. Again, they seem like nice guys, but it just yep. was not very loud. I could hear it in my hand. It just didn't produce the sound that I like. So I was, I was even more determined. Hey, there's actually a, a market here for this. Let me see if I can figure it out. Uh, mm-hmm. So I came up with the idea one day at work. And then I started messing around with it at home. And I remember when I made the first one, I was excited. I was in the basement, just just hand pouring it like everyone else does with their molds. And I ran upstairs, and told my wife, I was like, "Hey, I got it, I got it." She was like, hey, "Cool, I guess." He <laughs> <So, laughs> yeah. wasn't really impressed, but yeah, uh, yeah, anyway, yep. yeah. It. Um, I, I made a few, and most of them looked terrible because I just couldn't get uh, I couldn't get the rattle tube centered inside the cavity of the mold. So it would always be showing outside, and it was just, it was terrible. But I tell you what, the first time that I took it to Smith Mountain Lake, Virginia, um, it was uh, it was during the week. I took a day off. That the conditions were right, slight breeze, and I caught 30, 30 plus fish. I had the GoPro, and every time, you know, you do the loop and you hit the button, and, and by the yep, end of the yep. day, I get thirty plus videos. So and it were all on a drop shot. I didn't throw anything else that day. And that is not normal for me. Uh, Some people, maybe they could do that, but I have never done that before. So I figured either I stumbled into the best drop shot, you know, fishing conditions that I've ever had, or there was actually something to, to the weight. Um, And then as it progressed, I used it in tournaments and and I used it uh, continuously through the year because I wanted to be able to tell people, Hey, I use it all the time because I don't want to try to sell it to someone if I don't believe in it. Sure. Uh, So I used it constantly. That's all that I have in my boat. Now I don't have any regular, regular weights, Uh, yeah, but at, at worst case scenario, it's just a weight, right? It just takes it down to the bottom like, like all the other weights do. Um, mm. But anyhow, so I used it. Uh, a buddy of mine used it in, in night tournaments at Smith Mount Lake, which are, which are big here. Ah, okay. and he used to of the three-eighths size. And he would throw it in brush piles, and he described it as in, like, in the rut when you're calling bucks in with a grunt call.
0: <laughs> just sit there and ride.
1: he said he would throw it in the brush, and the fish would be outside the brush, and instead of chasing them and throwing here and throwing there and throwing over there, he would just throw it in the brush, and he would just shake it like this. And he said you could see the fish just kind of cruising in, and they would go down to the to the bait, and then we would fill his bite. And he won... I don't know, I think like five, five tournaments out of that series on the Friday nighters. Wow. That's, that's what he used was a three ounce, uh, rattling drop shot weight. So I told him, I was like, well, don't, don't announce it yet. And this, we're still trying to get them produced and <laughs> get production going. And and then it just kind of turned into a business from there. So that's how it started. And, and we've grown quite a bit since then. So that's, that's where we're. Wow. Going.
0: Very cool, man. So, so yeah. figuring it all out oh, to get it in the mold. So it's an actual rattle tube in there or what's, what's in the lead
1: yeah so so the patented part is how the tube uh so it's a brass tube with tungsten beads and because we need we need not just the sound but the vibration as well Mm -hmm. and we'll talk about that in a minute but yeah so the vibration is is as important as the sound um and then we're able to to get that and attach it to the swivel itself and then Mm -hmm. that keeps it straight in the mold with some other help for some other things um And then it's actually when I get it produced now. If you just gravity pour it in there like we all do when we're making homemade stuff, it it will maybe sixty or seventy percent fail rate because that tube will be sticking out of the side. It will not stay centered no matter what you do. Yeah, so it's it's actually injected and molded. They use they use high pressure injection for this lead and it shoots it in the mold and is able to push it around the edges. Wow. Yep. Wow. Very cool. It sounds like a lot to go into a drop shot weight, but doesn't it? (laughs) that that's what it took so i like
0: it man yeah. i like yeah. it well you know uh, just fishermen we're all just so crazy about little components and this yep. and that that make a that's difference true. and uh especially with something like this so you you mentioned uh the vibration is as important as the sound uh yep. I, i'm curious so so w- what do you mean by that you're saying those tungsten beads hitting each other and vibrating or or i guess what's what's going on there
1: yeah yeah so The sound and the vibration go together. Um, But the way that I got the sound was I tried a bunch of different components and I have a hydrowave on my boat, uh, like a lot of people. And if you turn on the hydrowave to the crawfish over rocks, I think like the KVD version that they had, had a bunch of crawfish versions of sounds on there. And one of them was crawfish on gravel or crawfish on rocks, whatever it is. And the sound that that produced was something that I was like, okay, well, if they figured it out scientifically, I'm just going to take a shortcut and try to. come. Yeah, yeah. so I listened to it and, and I don't know, if, I don't know where the mic is on this computer, oh, yeah. but if you guys can hear it, that's the 316 So it's a little bit higher pitch. That's personally my favorite because the bass react best to that sound for me personally in the, in the area that I'm in. Yeah. Um, so, so what, why I think the sound and the vibration is so important is because when the crawfish is going across the bottom, he's, as he's moving, his shell is hitting, right. It's making sound. And it, as he's, as his, yeah. his, his pinchers are going, that's not just making sound. It's like, I mean, it's vibration as well. If you can mute that sound, you would still have something touching something down there. And it sure. is is it is for sure creating a vibration. No matter how minute, it's still there for sure. And it does it in a very natural, non-threatening way because that's what the bass are used to hearing. That's totally normal for them. Whether they're in a feeding mood or not, it's not going to scare them off. If it's just there because that's what's there and that's just what they're used to, it's not going to scare them off. It's not like you're down there pounding over and over with a with a carolina rig weighed and some beads or something and, and they're just not feeling it that and that just puts off a, a glass and um what is it glass and brass i think was the way to yeah. go yeah. years yeah. ago for, for that carolina rig so that is a that's something that i've done in the past and you can i've done it recently and you can see bass sometimes they react to it and they bite it, and sometimes they swim off but if the at worst case scenario with this is they'll see the drop shot and they'll come to it, they don't, it's not a magic It's not a magic pill. Nothing in fishing is, but sure, there, there are times they'll come down and they won't bite it, but it doesn't scare them off, and, and that's why I say that the vibration is as important as the sound because the vibration was off, it would be scaring those fish off because it's just not a natural presentation to them. This is as natural as it gets because I tried every other combination of materials that I had available to me, and I could not duplicate it any better than what's in there now. Very cool. Very yeah. cool.
0: I mean, and I, I just, I think so much goes into a fish's lateral lines and where it feels yeah. that vibration and that kind of a thing. Yeah, um, dude, super unique. I think, I think to to me, the really big player here, smallmouth, man. Like, I mean, smallmouth just eat a drop shot so dang well, and to yeah. have that uh, extra addition, they're such a sight oriented feeder, and they're just, they just everything. I don't know. To me, they're eating a lot of crawfish. They know that sound, so I really like it.
1: Yeah, I, I, I two things. Um, number one, on the small mouth, I'll hit that first. There, there's an angler in Vermont who fishes the bass opens as a non as a co angler, a, a non boater, and uh, he bought some from me uh, through the connection of a friend, Gary Malkin, in North Carolina. And this guy in Vermont used them uh, in the back of the boat and outfished the guy in the front of the boat, and both of the opens that. He was, they were both throwing drop shot both times wow. and he would wait to the end of the day. And he'd be like, Hey, here's, here's the weight. And he would show them and those guys would immediately get on. And he would call me at the way in and he would say, Hey, those guys are great order. And sure enough, like that night or the next morning, Bam. I, I yeah, get the order
0: Yeah.
1: And I just think that again, I'm, I'm not a small mouth guru. I, I, I really can't speak on that, but I know that they're curious. I know they're aggressive. And I, and I think we talked about it before the show. I have caught more smallmouth in the last 2 years throwing this drop shot weight than I have in the last maybe 15 years. And wow. it, there's something to to their aggressiveness and their curiosity which is a great combination for us probably not so good for them. Yeah.
0: Now, how often do you throw a drop shot on a bed?
1: All the time. Dude, that is
0: that is a thing for me. Smallmouth, largemouth spotted bass, like I love I love throwing a drop shot on a bed. I think it's so effective. I would love to see and he, especially with small mouth, like the updated aggression, when you have something going ting, 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 yeah. Ting, ting, yeah. Ting, sitting there, because yeah. like a lot of times I shake it just like that. You know what I mean?
1: If you throw, this is a, I'm going to show you the three eights, let you hear the different sound. Oh yeah. Okay. That's, so so okay. this was this the three sixteenths with a, a, a higher pitch. And then this is the, the three eights. So yeah. with, with the bigger weights, when you throw that in the bed, as you shake it, the idea is to leave it in the strike zone, obviously. But when you you're shaking it, Really, you're just causing that weight to kind of flip. It is moving forward very slightly, but you can just flop that weight around and just just doing this. You can yeah. hear that, And that's yeah. just something that they're not used to. I, I will tell you this, though. This is this is a big key. No matter if you're fishing open water or if you're fishing beds, when you start using these weights, shorten your leader. I actually, have I should have, have my rod here. I want to you show jump. you. guys. So a couple things that I've learned that, that help a lot. So this is, this is a little longer leader than I would normally use. And it's maybe five or six inches.
0: Yeah. That's a short leader. Yeah.
1: Well, that's about as long as I would ever use because, and here's why. If you throw, if you throw it and and you're 12 to 18 inches on your leader and that bass is coming down to, to listen to the the clacking of the weight, the vibration, and he's nosing down to it and I'll give he's going to bite the weight and I'm going to give you an example. And, um, Oh dude. Yeah. And, in Raleigh. Uh, we we did a fishing show. That was one of my first shows. And, uh, and a guy did a, a demonstration at the tank. And intentionally we put like a two and a half to three foot leader on that. So so the hook was two and a half to three foot above the weight just to show people that the fish are actually attracted to the weight. Um, wow. obviously they want the bait as well, but we want to show them that the weight's not just a gimmick, that it actually works. And we had bass going down to the weight. And they would bite the weight over and over and over. And some of them would go to the bait if they saw it, but a lot of them wanted to know where the noise was coming from. So they'd nose down on on the weight and they would bite it. So if you run that long leader, you know, fishing in the real world, you're going to, you're going to get bites and you're going to set the hook. Nobody's going to be home. You're going to check your bait. There's no teeth mark. It's not pulled down off the, off the (laughs) shank of the hook. And you're like, what in the world? And that's what happened. They actually bit the weight. So I run that intentionally. So I'll try to, I'll try to show you, try to show you. So, If it's coming, you can see the weight on my hand. If it's coming, if you're pulling it back to the boat at an angle like this, if the bait is on there and I left the bait off on purpose, I want to show you something with the hook. But if you're pulling it there, it's just dangling just a couple inches off the bottom when you run it about four to six inches. And when you do that, it's just a very natural presentation. And it's right. it, It sounds like a crawfish. It feels on this lateral line like a crawfish he is convinced it's a crawfish and then if he sees something that that looks similar to a crawfish or even in a place that a crawfish lives you you have completely convinced this fish that that's a crawfish and he's not yep. i mean they are not going to reason for anything else they're just going to think okay here's my opportunity i'm going to eat it or i'm not and but you have done everything in a very natural non-threatening way your chances of catching that fish are, are very high
0: yeah well it, and to me fishing is all about odds uh especially in terms of situation and you're just adding another layer of realism um ups those odds right like regardless of if it's by an extra fish a day or 15 fish a day oh one bite we all know yeah absolutely it's exactly right that's all that matters is to have that one extra bite so that's a dude that is man I really like the uh, the thought process on bed fishing. And smallmouth, man, like the amount of times that I have smallmouth eat a dang drop shot weight off of a bed yeah. is yep. ridiculous. Especially, it's really frustrating when you can't see them. Like, say so you had all these bed, beds marked and then it's muddy. You throw in there yeah. and you're like, oh, there he is. <laughs> Pull it out. You're like, he's eating the weight again. And you keep getting, and, and a lot of the times, I've always, yeah. what I've done is gone from just a shiny lead drop shot weight to go into a black one or a black yeah. painted. And I feel like that helps a little bit. It do not okay. necessarily as are, are are not quite as attracted to it, but, uh, dude, I think, I think, yeah, just the idea of shaking one on the bed, I I really want to try it. That's awesome.
1: Yes. And you can throw it, um, like a power shot and do it. You can throw that three eighths or the half and get away with a bigger bait, a little creature bait or something. I want to show you guys this, this is, this is actually a leech made by Nico baits. It is my Mm -hmm. new favorite, um, drop shot bait that I'm going to use it. It's got the elastic type stretch Mm -hmm. to it. And, and this right. company makes all of the Diowa plastics as well. Um, gotcha. So anyhow, this is, this is the leech and this is the eclipse color. It's like a crawfish type color. But when you tie a snell knot on your drop shot hook and you set the hook, that, that hook will actually pop up into the roof of the fish's mouth when you set the hook. So you got a, got a snell knot
0: on there?
1: Yeah. Snell knot on the drop shot hook. It's a, it's wow. a straight shank cover, person.
0: cover shot hook, right? Like one of those where it's got
1: the this, is a, uh, this is a, this um, is a robo worm rebar. <laughs> hook it's it's a gamagatsu hook but robo worm puts their bait keeper let me let me take this off and i'll show you i, I think i know what you're talking about i dropped it a lot like that with texas Rudy. yeah yeah so you guys can see that hook there um and it's got it's got their little keeper there so yeah you tie the snow knot on it and then when you set the hook it actually pops up like it's supposed to wow it's like that's a flipping hook juice as well man yeah yeah i um, like it i've never yeah, done that yeah, that's interesting yeah, that, that's the that's the bait there it is uh and it, I put it in the tank, uh, in the Greensboro show two weeks ago before they opened. I don't know if I was supposed to be over there or not, but I wanted to see how it looked in the water. So uh-huh. you know, they're, they're starving. So they we eat a lot anyhow, but when they finally that uh-huh. alone, just the smallest bit of movement would cause that tail to quiver. Cause it's such a soft piece of plastic and, and it, and it stretches and, it's just man, it was fantastic. I am super excited about fishing it this year. I, and and it floats, and I forgot to mention that the key thing to this is as it's sitting sideways. This this is the tail right there. As it's sitting sideways and it floats, it starts to move up like that. Well, when you run that short leader and your weight's on the bottom, and that thing starts yeah. to kick up, it looks like a crawfish in the defensive position, and it is going to be it's going to be special. I'm, I'm excited. Game about on, it.
0: dude! Yep. That's awesome. Yeah, very cool. Man. Well, um, I guess we're getting in here 50 minutes onto the show. Um, one thing to bring it full circle. I'm curious how much later in the year are you scoping these fish with a drop shot? How often do you do that? Do you like doing that? Is that one of your things?
1: All the time, all yeah. the time. So, so there are, especially like we're brush piles, that's the obvious, right? Um, but there are a lot of times when you go to the brush piles, if they're not suspended above it and easy to catch and they're not in it, a little tougher to catch, but they're not there. They're probably cruising out around it um, if they're relating to that brush at all. So there's no rhyme or reason if they're to the left or the right on the on the downhill side, the uphill side, whatever. Um, so we just we just go through and just look. And when we see one again, if he doesn't feel the pressure of the boat and, and you're being conscious about about your your boat placement at all and you're disciplined with all the other noises, you, you can catch those fish. E- even in the summer when it's just extremely tough to get a few bites, uh, the, that drop shot is it's so key. It, man. I, and I, I like looking at them. Uh, light line, you usually, and I say light line for me. You guys may even use less, but 10, 10 pound because because our water just a little dirty. If it was clear, I'd probably go to seven. Uh, but I like 10 because I can put it. I use gamma, by the way, and that is my definitely my favorite line for sure. I have hung a lot of fish in brush and it was able to get them out because I feel because the gamma line is is so abrasion resistant, but, um, yeah, I I throw that, uh, 10 pound line, same short leader and brush and everything. And then I'm able to get those fish out when they bite and just, just being patient with it and shaking it. Here's the other thing. When you're throwing these weights, just give them a chance because you don't need to continuously move it. The action isn't, isn't what's drawing them in. You're moving that bait. That bait's going to, it's going to flutter and kick and do all that stuff. They're drawn to the sound and the vibration. Just give them a minute. When I'm working the shows, I, I tell people this one example uh, at the same lake that that we've been talking about the whole time. I saw a yeah. fish. It was on the right side of the point. There's a high spot on the point, and then it comes back down. And my drop okay. shot was on the left, my left, looking out. And this fish was on the right below the high spot. And this fish came up over the high spot, and I could see it coming. I'm like, well, that fish is kind of headed over towards my drop shot. <laughs> He's he, Swam straight down to it, no hesitation. Swam straight to it and got it. It wasn't displacing any water. I'm using a robo worm, right? Not enough to go 50 feet yeah. or to the right. Um, it was there was not a lot of current moving that day. It was, it was not a lot of couldn't wind. see it. it couldn't see it. So the sound, yeah. sound or vibration or a combination of the two. That fish, maybe he was swimming in that direction, but he went straight to it, no hesitation, no no left, right, no no nothing. He just went straight to it and ate it. Uh, it, it, was, it was intentional. And, and that that particular fish um, really kind of opened my eyes to some stuff. And I'll give you one more example. We were fishing a, um, a bass cast tournament at, at Smith Mountain Lake and um, we had a decent bag. Nothing great. We needed a big fish or two. And we go to some deeper brush, maybe like 15 to 17 foot deep. And we throw the drop shot out there and I see it going down. I see a fish, but I missed my cast. It actually went behind the fish The sw- The fish was swimming. My left, my left to right. And I was going a little faster than I anticipated. So my bait went behind and was throwing a drop shot. It hit the bottom. The fish never reacted. He continued to swim. I started shaking it and I had the rattle shot on. I started shaking it and that fish turned around and started swimming towards the drop shot. And I told my buddy, I was like, hey, if you bite, you want to get the net. It's a pretty good mark. ended up being like (laughs) five and a half, five and three quarters. And, um, Ooh. so we caught that fish and if it was not for the rattle, for sure, that fish, I would have had to reel in, maybe get it in front of it on the next cast or maybe not. I don't know, but he bit and I had confidence to leave it there and just shake. Because as soon as I engaged that rattle, that was the, that was the dinner bell to him. And he was able to find wow. uh, it, turn around and get it. And we ended up winning that tournament and that fish was, it was a real big reason why. Very cool. Man, yeah. And that's, that's
0: cool. awesome. Yep. those those are cool stories, dude.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Man. Well, um, I guess kind of what I like to do every time kind of getting near that time to wrap up a show. First of all, how can folks follow along with everything that you've got going with the rattle shot with drop zone tackle? Um, and where's the best place to, uh, to send folks if they're interested in it?
1: Yeah, sure. I appreciate you asking. So rattleshot.com again, that is rattleshot.com that takes you to our (laughs) website. We have some, uh, we have, we have some apparel there, hats and shirts and, uh, and small tackle boxes that, that go specifically with our weights. Uh, but mainly there are the weights, the rattle shot weights. We have four sizes. We have, this is, Again, this is our pack. This is the 3 16ths. Uh, I know there's a little bit of a glare. We, and then we have quarters, 3 8 and halves. Um, gotcha. And right now, currently, they all have the line grip swivel. And there, there are some complaints on that. Well, it breaks, and it's, obviously we know that's by design, so you don't lose your entire rig if it pulls off. Um, but these do get kind of expensive after a while if you're going to break off over and over and over. So what I suggest, if you get these, tie one overhand knot uh, and don't cinch it real tight, and it'll last you when the fish jumps. He won't throw it off, and you can retie when you get in. Um, but we are coming out. They're, they're in production right now. We have the round line tie. Some people like to, to, to free rig it, you know, free line it where they just put it through yeah. and the weight just just slides freely on the line. Uh, or you can just tie it directly to your line as, as the tag end. So um, so we have those. And I, I wanted to tell you this. We are uh, everyone's familiar with the Zika rig. Um, Owner came out with their own version called the Owner Rig and the Gamagatsu came out with their version called the Jika rig for the, with the G for Gamagatsu. Um, but we are coming out with our own. It'll be out hopefully in about two months. out out in stores uh, and available on the website. And it's actually called a rattle rig and ours will be the only one that rattles because we're using our, our rattle shot weights.
0: Very cool. And for someone who doesn't know what, explain, explain the rig a little bit.
1: Yeah. I wish, I wish I would have had the forethought to, uh, to go ahead and have one available, but um, basically this is the only thing I have available here. You're going to have your hook and at the eye of the hook, there's going to be a split ring and then the weight's going to be hanging down. And what that does is several, several things for grass fishermen. You don't need to punch with an ounce and a half weight. You can actually get by with a half ounce or so, um, because it falls in such a straight line, because when that, when that drop shot weight falls through that, that worm or bait or, you know, um, bandito bug, whatever you're throwing, it's directly above it. And it's falling in such a straight line. Whereas when you flip with your, with a ounce and a half tungsten, it'll go through because of the weight and the gravity.
0: Yeah.
1: But it's, it's actually kicked off. So if your line's here, your bait's here, you just have an odd angle there. It doesn't fall as straight. With this, it's the line, the weight, and the, and the bait all fall in one straight symmetrical line. And, and, and you can get through laydowns really good. Imagine putting that, imagine putting that in a laydown tree and adding rattle to basically like a very shortened Tokyo rig. Um, mm-hmm. And it allows the, the bait a lot more movement because it's, it's free of the weight. The weight is not at the nose of it. It's not. It's not. You know, hurting the action of that bait, which was intended to kick and flutter and stuff as it's falling. This allows it what what is natural. Well, when they design the bait at the factory, this allows it to do just that. Very cool.
0: Yep. Very cool, man. Well, thanks for that, and uh, excited yep. to see that in the future here. Yep. Um, as as far as your experience thus far with everything with Drop Zone Tackle and starting this business. Um, what's your biggest piece of advice to someone looking to start a business in the fishing industry or something they're passionate about?
1: Yeah, so uh, just be, first of all, be knowledgeable about it because when, when you're presenting it to someone, someone that does have some interest in it is going to ask, they're going to ask a lot of questions, especially if they're knowledgeable. And, and in my case was John Cruz um, and we're all fishermen. So that that's not the hard part. Um, but I just, I always like to take this opportunity to say that John Cruz has been an incredible mentor to me. I've asked him multiple times for advice and whatnot. And I just, I didn't know him before I reached out to him and said, Hey, this is what I got. I'd love to talk to you about it. What should I do with it? I'm trying to build a business. What's the next step? And he has never, I mean, he's always taken the time. He's, he's traveling to the to tournaments, going to practice. I talked to him after his win at St. John's. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. And I talked, I talked to him as he was traveling to the classic uh, to practice. And he and he just took time to talk to me on the phone. And he's been such a mentor. We're actually the, the only non-missile baits product that he carries on his website. Um, he, he originally thought about buying the company, but um, I, I, he just said, look, I, I think you have a good thing. I think you'll be successful and I, I want to see you go through the process. So we're uh, I like uh, it. Yeah, he, he carries them. He, he's a distributor. He, he pushes them out to his dealers as well. And he's just he's just a great guy. So, so my advice would be to to know your product really well. And then don't be scared to reach out to people because what I found just again, like you guys, and I really appreciate you having me is just people are willing to help you uh, because we're all learning together. You know, you know a lot that I don't know about smallmouth, and I probably know some stuff about what I've learned with the drop shot that maybe you haven't experienced yet. So we all have something to offer in the game. And um, so just don't be, don't be shy about it. But the number one thing is don't, don't, don't shy away from the work because every single day I spend hours, sending out messages sending out emails talking to businesses that are like yeah 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 we'd love to carry your product and then i don't hear anything from them and then balancing do i call them now and sound greedy or needy <laughs> I hug them or but i also want to be kind of kind of tenacious about it and and it's just it's a balancing act man but i um i learned as much about business as i can i don't come from a business background at all uh so that's mm-hmm. been a challenge but i is one obstacle after another, after another, after another, it it will not stop. It has not stopped. Uh, but neither have I. So I'm not, I'm not going to quit. And, um, so far so good. And, and some, some really big things are coming and I'm excited about it. Awesome, man. Awesome.
0: Well, absolutely wish you the the best with all that. And I think the biggest takeaway there that I took from that, um, and I asked that question to everyone that comes on the show and, and that's a fantastic answer. And I think it's the, willing to ask questions and like, like you're doing here on this show. I mean, you've provided so much value talking about everything from the drop shot weight to specifically using forward facing sonar. And we've just talked all different things and that's, and that's just, um, what makes the world go round, man. Are, are those different yep. asking questions and providing value, asking questions, providing value. And, th- and those two things, people are willing to help you.
1: And, yep. uh, and I'm glad you said, cool. I w- I want to throw in one more thing. Um, Something that I've learned through listening uh, to one podcast by Andy Frisella, the one thing that he really keys on is if you have a a good product, even a decent product, but you provide value to the customer, you're not trying to trick them. You're not trying to talk them into something that they don't need or want. If you just provide value, whether they get it or whether they don't, it doesn't matter. That's going to come back to you and you're going to be successful with it. If you continue to do the work, you have to do the work. There's no there's no excuse or exception for not doing it. You're gonna have to put in the work. But if you have a decent, just at best, a decent product, but you provide value to the customer and you treat people right, then you're gonna succeed. And and that's something that I have seen. I agree with It, that. it yeah. sounds cliche, but it is actually I've just I've just watched it just manifest over and over and over. And and that's exactly what's happening with our business.
0: Dude, I like that. I mean, there's so many things um in this world you and I were talking before this, like physical fitness, right. As far as like, there's no, there's no secrets. It's, it's yeah. putting in the work yeah. and staying consistent and diligent yeah. and doing that. And it's the same with business. And in, in a lot of my viewpoint, it's like, if you treat people right, that's that, it's that easy. Like whatever your business is, complications, all this, if you treat people right,
1: you will succeed. Like that's that, just I, that's 100% uncoated. agree. I definitely agree. Now, we we're talking about physical fitness. If you just put in the work and you do it over an extended period of time, you will see the results and the same, if you treat yeah. people right and you provide value and you have a decent product and you put in the work over a period of time, you're going to see success. Exactly, man. Exactly. Yeah. Very cool.
0: Oh, almost the last, the other last thing I do with every show, uh, biggest large mouth, small mouth, spotted bass, where you were, if you're willing to say and what you caught him on.
1: Sure. Sure. Uh, the biggest largemouth is nine pounds, 14 ounces, Holy and goodness. that was on a just a Texas rig worm That was uh, quite a few years ago. And it was a place called Briery Creek. And okay. Bri- Briery Creek is uh, it's a I don't I don't remember how big it is. It's nine point nine horsepower or smaller. You put a bass oh, boat okay. in, it's a motor only. Um And it's all flooded timber. It looks a lot like Lake Fork, but it doesn't fish as good as Lake Fork, but it looks similar <laughs> to it. Uh, actually, broke my old Trek stroller motor hitting a the tree there, so I haven't been back I love it. <laughs> in a couple of years. Yeah. I haven't been back. Uh, biggest smallmouth is probably four and a half pounds, which is probably a, a total baby, mouth, a total baby for nice. you guys. But
0: oh man, still
1: uh, good smallmouth. Um uh, yeah, and I caught that on top water. Um, oddly enough, oh, man, yeah, that was, a, a, that was fun. Yep, yep, and uh, that was a Smith Mountain Lake in Virginia. And biggest spotted bass, I, honestly, I don't know, I, I really can't with yeah. any accuracy
0: that's a pretty common answer that I get, unless it's someone from like Northern California then they're yeah. Like yeah
1: 14 yeah. and you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> dude, we're not that far from Lake Norman that has a lot of spotted bass, but I just, you got to get up there. You got to yeah. get up there with the rattle shot, dude. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I have some family that lives pretty close to there and I, I've been wanting to go down and one of them's kind of getting into fishing and they want to, they want to do a little bit more of it. And I, so if we go, we're definitely going to go to Norman. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Well, Dennis, dude, thank you for taking the time out. Um, I will link in the description the website and everything in our podcast and our YouTube description. Um, So, guys, look forward to seeing that. And uh, thanks for taking the time out, man, again, and wish you the best of luck and hope to run into you on the road somewhere or at a show or that kind of a thing.
1: Yeah, man, I, I really appreciate you guys. It was uh, it was cool to get to know you and uh, for you to just, just let me jump on here without really knowing who I was. I, I really appreciate that. It, it speaks volumes about who you guys are. So thanks again. Absolutely, man.
0: And with that, get things wrapped up. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sear Sanga fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.